I'm Tracy and welcome to the With Tracy podcast. My guest this week has an extraordinary business, colourful, fun and entertaining, but nonetheless a business which she has to manage with all its ups and downs. After training as an actor, her search for work took her into comedy and she landed up appearing in award-winning productions here and abroad. But it was during her resting periods that she landed up learning a completely different skill. And it was to be this newfound talent that eventually led her to start her own entertainment company called Miss Balloon Diverse. Yes, my guest this week is none other than top balloon artist, Natalie Haverstock. Since launching her business, Natalie is now in demand all over the world at parties and events, becoming the go-to entertainer for the likes of the Cabinet Office, the Soho House Group, and Arsenal Football Club, to name just a few. She also regularly makes public appearances on ITV's This Morning, BBC Radio One, fashion shows, Royal Ascot, and in top locations such as Harrods and Selfridges. Natalie never stops being amazed how much her show surprises and delights her audiences. She says, I love it when people say they've never seen anything like it before. Balloon art has come a long way in recent years and the possibilities are endless. Balloons don't last forever, but the joyful memories do. Natalie and I have never met before apart from on Zoom. I have to be honest, I had been stalking her for a while after being introduced by Instagram. I have become completely awestruck by her talent. Yes, what she can create with balloons is amazing, but also the uniqueness of her business and how she turned balloons into a jaw-dropping experience. I love to welcome and please enjoy my chat with Nat Natalie Haverstock. Aka Miss Balloon-iverse. Natalie. Hello. Tracy, thank you for that most amazing intro, which has fairly brought a tear to my eye. Lovely, lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, and look at you. You look totally amazing. Honestly, anyone just listening to this, you have to go to YouTube. <laughs> Honestly, Natalie's brilliant hat and backdrop is fantastic. Well, this is quite low key for me on a, you know, on a weekday. So um, I still have my MGM studio set up in my living room. And, you know, I like to have live balloons in the background and you'll never see me without some kind of balloon on my personages. That's the way I roll. <laughs> Before we get into it, that makes me think. So do you have to take spare with you in case they burst? Um, well, my job is that I, I go to the event and I make the balloons for people. So I have a suitcase full of spares. Oh, yeah. Not a really problem. But if I'm going out wearing a balloon on my head, if it pops, it pops. <laughs> We're just going to start. It's always great to get a bit of background on my guests, if that's okay, Natalie. Now, I know in 1990, you headed off to the Rose Bruford, I hope I pronounced that correctly, college of speech and drama to train as an actor. But what I'd like to know is what was life like leading up to that and what inspired you to take up acting? I mean, were you always a budding entertainer? 
Absolutely. I was uh, at the age of, uh, as soon as I could talk, I was doing impersonations of people that I saw on the telly. I was one of those. At school, I was a class clown. I was rather a large child. So, you know, I made myself the life and soul. But I was also an entrepreneur. So at the age of 18, um, I had a, a very small inheritance of a thousand pounds from an uncle that was in trust to me till I was 18. And I took that and I started, you know, I didn't blow it on a holiday. I started business with it. And that's what I was, I was an entrepreneur. But I, I, when I had the opportunity to go to drama school, I took it. Yeah, so that's really interesting that you, I mean, I didn't know that about you, obviously. You were kind of a very entrepreneurial at a very early age. Yes. I mean, my dad was a violinist and he used to sort of dabble in uh, going to auctions and buying diamond rings um. and then sort of selling them through his contacts. And he wanted to instill the value of money in me. So hence, uh, I used to get a pound to when I polished his shoes. I used to sell my paintings to him. I used to think I was on a really good scam here, by the way. You know, I was getting money for the, for this stuff. But, so, yes, uh, it's been instilled in me to be an entrepreneur. And I, I've always loved it. But also, acting is my art. And um, I love comedy. So I've done improvised comedy. was the yeah. way that my career went. But always with the, you know, that in the background that, Oh, that's fantastic. Well, we, we obviously we were going to come back to that. But um, I read that you were awarded a degree in theatre arts. Now, what I also read is that you specialised in, and I am reading this, because it says educative theatre. And I just, yes. if you could give us a bit of insight into actually what that is, what that entails. Well, if you think about when you're in school, uh, you might have a, a drama class that, that's workshop-based. It might be on um, issues. And so it's about learning how to develop for different age groups what uh, what's necessary to make a, a, a learning workshop for them. And my thesis was on that kind of education versus just getting children to learn drama and work on plays as mm -hmm. their in drama and arguing the point and I came to it from one point when I started and ended thinking exactly the opposite after doing placements and being in primary schools and secondary schools now I believe teach children plays in schools and get them to perform in plays because plays are always about something that, that's really interesting actually because I, I remember you know it's quite a long time ago now but well you know, when I was very young and at school, you all did drama. You were always in a play. And it, it just not only got you, you're right, engrossed in the play and learning something, but it was all about learning those lines. And it just felt so much, that whole experience and, and actually doing something in front of people as well. And stagecraft. It's, it, it, if you're learning stagecraft about projecting your voice, uh, facing the, the audience, it it's instills confidence mm. uh, where constant improvisations that can be very workshop based they have their place but your it's the naturalism isn't giving you that whole other aspect so 
there's a place for both, but then you improvise around characters in a play anyway. So, so you then became a professional actor, but that landed up being focused more on comedy. And I just wondered, was that a strategic move? I mean, you talked about being an entertainer when you were young. Or did it I wish you could have a strategy in that business. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't exist. Um, I went and learned improvisation um, in classes before I started auditioning from drama school because I heard sometimes they make you improvise. So, hey, I should go and do a class on that. So I went to London Theatre Sports that ran courses and they also had a weekly show at the Canal Cafe Theatre. So I, I went to see the show before I signed up and my mind was blown. They do the sort of whose line is it anyway games. Then they do short scenes based on audience suggestions and then improvise a 50 minute play all completely oh. improvised from one audience suggestion. It was so brilliant. I thought they were reading each other's minds. It was just amazing. So I did the course and loved it. And I was just hooked on impro from then on and I carried on doing it secretly all the way through drama school. I was doing the shows with them and it's, it's just the way it went for me that when I graduated, I ended up being the artistic director of London Theatre Sports for four years. Oh, fantastic. Started my own group separately and we went to the Just For Laughs Festival four times. So I got to do it on the sort of international stage and on TV there. And it was just amazing, but it was the way the wind blew me. Oh, what a great story. Now, um, I'm going to just read my next question because it, it, that whole thing you, so you had, that all became very successful and your career took off and everything. Um, and as we said before, you were nominated for awards. So my big question was really, what took you from that that was very successful to setting up or getting into balloon art and setting up your business? Well, your idea of success and mine may be two different things on reading my <laughs> CV because although I had these uh, wonderful things happen and I did, you know, some a bit of TV and some stuff and some theatre that was lovely, but it wasn't enough. I, I always had to be... Um, doing other things to help pay the bills and that was fine you know I was young and it was all part of life's rich tapestry so I never got the big break I never got to uh, be where I hoped I'd be you know at the RSC the National Theatre just didn't happen for me but when I um, discovered balloons I found something that I just fell in love with right away the emotional response you get when you make a balloon for someone, the, uh, the, the, the joy, the creativity that you get when you're actually creating the balloons and just learning balloons and going, wow, this is, the sky's the limit. The industry was at the time, you know, this is 2008 when it, it goes up and up and up. So I kind of found what I'd been looking for but in a way that would fit in with acting as well, because that sort of balloon job really does, evenings and weekends. But what I'd like to know is, how did you actually 
get involved with balloons? I mean, what was the first time you were in that situation where either someone was doing balloons and you thought, I want to do that, or someone asked you to do balloons? Okay, Tracy, don't laugh. I was headhunted. <laughs> yes, you can be headhunted for balloons. It happened to me. So I was doing a play for the Edinburgh Festival. It was a comedy play. And we were doing the previews in London. And a friend that I'd worked with before brought her friend who just bought a balloon agency. And we were having a drink in the bar afterwards. And she said, I want to get new people on board that can talk to people and make them laugh while they're making the balloons, not just concentrate on what they're doing, but sort of entertain the crowd while they're doing it. Do you want a lesson? <laughs> and so I said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And that was it. I fell in love with balloons. I was working with this agency called Balloonatic and they were fantastic, but it was the recession oh. just starting and their business model was all big events, big public events. And so what was in the diary gradually petered out mm. and they just weren't enough jobs. So I thought, well, I could do birthday parties. So I had some cards printed, was booked to do the Highgate Fair through my best friend, was friends with someone on the committee. So I, I got, you know, it was sort of the perfect launch pad for me. Yummy mummy territory of Highgate. Yeah. Handing out my cards and that was it. I, I started just with the small birthday parties and it just grew very organically from there. Wow. And you say grow, it's, you, you say something like you do 200, you've got 250 balloon creations. That was at the last count, which was about five years. So how many have you got now? New characters, new Disney movies, new kinds of shapes of balloons that they bring out that we can do more wild and wacky things with. So it goes on. Okay, so you have however many balloon creations now, which, yes. gosh, right, okay, I, I, I did think, I did think 250 was amazing, and I know it's taking you all over the world, and you've met some great people, and done all sorts of celebrity stuff, and, you know, um, I just wondered if you've got any, if there's any little snippets of Miss Balloon Burst journey, or stories you could share with us. Um, yes, I... I was actually working, I was on a three-day job, working very hard. And on the, the third day, when I, I thought, I can't wait to just go to bed and flake out because I'm exhausted. And my phone blew up with messages and my social media with messages going, you've just been mentioned on Chris Evans' radio show. <laughs> what? Well, apparently, Chris said... Um, Ah, how come you only get balloon guys? You never get women doing balloons. Well, one of my clients <laughs> rang into the show and said, what are you talking about, Miss Ballooniverse? So after we finished the record, he said, okay, you know, Cat from Catford has rung in and uh, corrected me because apparently there is a balloon woman and it's Miss Ballooniverse and apparently she's the best. I thought, well, I have to capitalise on this. I went home exhausted, but just made a whole ton of balloons. I do the balloon caricature, so I made Chris Evans out of balloons. And 
loads of other things, aliens, I mean, tigers, lions, you name it, put them all in a great big bag. And at 5am, I went down to the BBC <laughs> to hand them in. So I did, just handed them in, said, give that to a runner on the show, walked away. My phone rang five minutes later. It was the producer of the show saying, we love the balloons, Chris loves the balloons. If you don't mind, he won't um, mention you today because he thinks it would be really good to have you in on Friday when he has the whole studio full of celebrities to have you making caricatures of them and whatever they want and feature you in the show. So I said, great, but you have to send a car for me. <laughs> Getting on the tube at five in the morning. And so that was, I love that story because it was about making the most of something. When you get a little nugget of something, jump all over it. Yeah. Even if it come to nothing, you never know what will happen. Totally. But, you know, I mentioned in the introduction that you've done work for the Cabinet Office. Uh, and I know there's newspaper articles and pictures of you with MPs and various people as well. So, I mean, it has been really varied, hasn't it? I mean, it must just, I mean, it just entertains everyone, doesn't it, what you do? Absolutely. Well, I'm very lucky in what I do because... Um, if I know that a celebrity or a VIP is going to be there, I make a balloon caricature of them. And then I, I sort of usually get that photo opportunity with them. It's very <laughs> nice. I get those moments with, with people. And I think I'm allowed to say this. I actually just found out that on Thursday, no, Friday night, I'm going to be on stage with David Walliams. Hello. You are allowed to say it because by the time this goes out, like, out, You've done it. <laughs> yes, so I'm doing a big corporate event. I won't say who the client is, but it's it's for 1,800 people. And oh. I'll be doing my little stage show uh, and with David Williams on stage with me. So That is exciting because I, mean, I think he's... I, I always get the feeling that he is probably... He's very comfortable, and I should think he's very natural up there doing whatever. Like he'll he'll make I'm the most. Sure, there'll be lots of innuendos about my balloons blowing up. <laughs> I'm ready for it, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you've heard them all a thousand times before. <laughs> I have, I have. But I laugh as if it's the first time I've heard it. Grandmothers are the worst. As soon as you blow up one of those straight balloons, they start laughing and going, oh, you're terrible, you are, you're awful. <laughs> it's just a balloon. <laughs> I think that is what is so wonderful. I think that's why I'm so, like, I was looking at your creations and I was thinking, gosh, it just makes you smile. They're colourful. They are amazingly creative. I mean, when I've seen the caricatures you've done of people and even your beautiful hat that you're wearing today, I'm like, Oh, whoa, it's, it's such a long way from the days when I was a child and someone just did a dog or a rabbit or something. Uh, you know, and I know that your dogs are nothing like the dogs that perhaps, you know, the magician or whoever it was would have done them when I was like seven or something. 
Don't knock it, Tracy, because that, mm. that classic balloon dogs is iconic. And that's the first thing that I learned to make. Mm. And it's, when I teach balloons, it's the first thing I teach everybody. So uh, it has a special place in my heart. Oh, okay. On Zoom. So when the lockdown started, I took my whole business onto uh, online. And I never would have thought that you could teach people balloon skills on a Zoom meeting, but you absolutely can. It works a treat. <laughs> and now, of course, some of the corporate clients where I had, um, you know, for their uh, Christmas party uh, last year, we did it on Zoom and I taught them balloons. I did their summer party this year and I was making them show me that they'd been practicing. They had to make a balloon for me before I'd make them another one. <laughs> I also want to talk to you, Natalie, about your branding because your branding is fantastic. And I know for any business, you know, the branding is really important, but for show business even more. And I just wondered, was it something you came up with yourself or did you sort of have to have help with that did you go to someone and say look I need to get some sort of branding no I did it all myself because I wanted something that had a shape a silhouette that would um, be dramatic but be suitable for a children's party or for a, a, a corporate event or a wedding so it wouldn't look too childlike but it would be colorful and gorgeous and so the 1950s look was a no-brainer for me and then everything fitted around it because it's colourful balloons, but you want it to be stylish. I looked at other people's um, websites that were balloon artists around the world and I didn't like it at all. It, it was clownish and not me at all. I got more inspiration from magicians' um, websites. Ah. So, I found a synergy with them for what we're doing, but then magicians' websites tend to be very dark. They've got the black and it's all, you know, moody. So I kind of married it together, the feel of that with, um, with the colour. Yeah, well, it looks great. I mean, it, it, yeah, it does. It's just, yeah, you make it so glamorous. Oh, I try, thank you. Amazing. So, Natalie, regarding business, now every business has its challenges, and I'd like to ask you maybe could you just share with us some of the challenges perhaps you had in the early days of your business, and then what it's been like for you? Because for many, I know the last 18 months has been really a challenging time, and how you kind of managed that and any changes you perhaps needed to make. Uh, when I started, I was just the one-man band and I was scared to ever take a holiday or a break at all. I used to have one break, which was go to go to the balloon convention for three days in Belgium. And that was it. I was a workaholic because I thought if I'm not available to do that party, they're going to go to the next person on the list and I will lose that client. Two and a half years, I realised that I could get my team together. So whenever I was on a job and there was another balloon artist and they were a brilliant artist, a girl that fitted my brand, I would sort of ask her if she wanted to be Miss Balooniverse. So now <laughs> I have 12 to 14, depending, because, you know, some people have 
started doing other things during the pandemic. But at, at its peak, I had 14 people with my costume, 13 Miss Ballooniverses and one Mr. Ballooniverse. <laughs> he doesn't wear the dress. He wears a 1950s suit that I have made for him because he's six foot four. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yes, that made a huge difference for me because I could upsell. So at big events, you can have three, four, five of us together, all wearing our complimentary costumes. I can go away and I can book them in my place. And you wouldn't know it's not me. You know, you've got a fantastic artist in the in the branded costume. Brilliant. Uh, when the uh, lockdown started, of course, everything mm. that I had cancelled and I wasn't um, eligible for any kind of furlough at all because uh, I'm a limited company. Mm -hmm. So I had to shut down my business altogether. Um, not, not allowed to answer any emails or do any social media. And I thought, I won't have a business at the end of it. I, I have to. Yeah. Um, I will find a way to keep it going. So I just took everything onto Zoom. I practiced on my friends who were homeschooling. Luckily, I had a supplier who lived above the shop. And his corner shop was a post office. So he could mail out the balloon kits for me. And that was it. I saw that the children could learn so well on the Zoom. And so I offered it to my corporate clients and it was great for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Until everyone got the Zoom fatigue, you know, they opened the pubs and everyone's like, no one wants to do their socials on the Zoom in the evenings. So it's been a roller coaster. Yeah, no, I no, I can see that. But generally running your business on a day-to-day -day basis, because you know, obviously what you your your business is very different, but actually there's fundamentals that are the same for any business. I guess, you know, um, were there any sort of what I call general challenges? Was it just like like some people will say, oh, it's just sort of managing your, you know, income, really, you know, the whole cost structure of a business. And now you've got a team as well. And I, I just know that, you know, that brings its challenges sometimes. Or it yes. does challenges. <laughs> well, of course, you're, you're dealing with people. You have to treat your clients like pure gold. You have to treat your freelancers like pure gold. You're in the middle, just getting squeezed. But that's fine with me you know that goes with the territory um i have lost some of my people during during the lockdown because obviously i didn't have work for them they didn't have the opportunity to corner no. of their home as a studio or even the the want to try and do things on so they've had to go and do other things so now things are picking up. I have some problems with filling the roles. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, so there's yeah. that going on. Um, I, I network a lot. I've done it from day one. Um, and that, that's been a real lifeline for me of um, my, my networking contacts that although we're doing our meetings and a lot of my networking buddies have done incredibly well. So that can be difficult. You know, when you're on these meetings, and yeah. 
oh wow i've quadrupled and uh, this is great and going oh it's me and the the lady that's in travel just going should we have a phone chat after this and commiserate but then my uh, networking contacts have been so incredibly generous to me offering me um for instance i've got a friend that does linkedin um courses and she just called me up out of the blue and said i've been looking at your linkedin and i think you could really do with my course and she gave it to me complimentary oh that's good i've had a few things like that where people have just yeah so I, I'm a firm believer in networking, but not in a scattered way, in more of a connecting way. Find yeah. stick to it, build build your connections that way. Yeah. Now you come across, Natalie, as quite a calm person to me, just talking to you. You feel it, it feels like you're quite in control, but are there times that you felt completely overwhelmed? And I, I like to ask people this because, you know, people in business quite often feel like that from time to time because they're having to do everything. And I just wondered if you have felt like that, how do you deal with it? What's your coping mechanism? Uh, I freak out, Tracy. What's yours? <laughs> <laughs> well, even so before the pandemic, I'm, I'm running a business and, you know, it's established, it's going well. But I can never say when my busy periods or my quiet periods are going to be because year on year you can look at it and there's no pattern, I assure you. So I always go, um, oh, I'm so busy. I need to get a VA. I need to outsource more. I need to this and this. And I go, yes, yes. Well, as soon as I've got a minute to breathe, I'll do that. And then suddenly I'll go quiet. I'll go, I'm too scared to do that. I'm not investing in all of that while I'm like this. And then it goes busy again. So I'm very guilty of doing that thing where I, I've got all these emails to answer and I've got this to do and that to do and get ready to actually go on a gig and you feel that rising panic in you and it's all just too much. Totally. And the answer is no, I really need to get a VA before I get properly busy again. Thank you. Note to self. Okay, so your coping me mechanism is to freak out. <laughs> I love that. I so love that. <laughs> I thought you might say something like, um, I blow up a hundred balloons and then I just jump on them or something. <laughs> I'm not wasting my stock. Do you know how expensive these bad boys are? <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> Every time a balloon bursts, a little bit of my soul turns black. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any time off? What are your hobbies? What are the things you like to do in your downtime? Well, I'm a convention junkie. So I go to all the balloon conventions and, um, well, put it this way. I managed to fit three balloon conventions in to 2020 before the lockdown. I was in Florida in January, I was in um, Kentucky in February, and Blackpool beginning of March. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like a global balloon family all over the world. We all know each other and we have these amazing conventions where we get to know each other, we go, we practice, 
we have lessons. It's like a convention, any standard, except we do it with balloons. Fantastic. We have a room <coughs> the size of a football pitch with every kind of balloon you can imagine that the manufacturers supply to us that we're allowed to play with 24 hours a day. So we bring our drinks in and we create and we make, you know, and we make dresses out of balloons and massive costumes. Oh, whoa! <laughs> I am just so intrigued. I just, I just want to know more and more about it. <laughs> I do have a blog out of what really happens at a balloon convention. You can click through. I will. I will. You see, I, I need to do some more research. I will. I will read your blog. Absolutely. Um, so, Natalie, what is the future for Miss Balloonverse? How, where do you see it going? Are there things? Oh, and you've already answered it in a in a way because you said you know you constantly evolve the creations themselves, um, and so that you've got many more than than I mentioned. But I just wondered how does it perpetuate? Uh, what's it going looking like going forward? The thing is that, you know, the new designs are more to keep the artist interested, you know, the artist in me, or uh, it, I don't think my clients really care if I've got new designs or if it's something that I've been doing since 2008, that it's, it's more the entertainment of it. Mm. Um, or for the future, well, with my crystal ball out, um, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have it in March 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too much to bear, but we got through it. It it is really to to get through it, but with I feel like um it's a scorched earth on my business where I'm really at the ground zero and it taught me that I'm just as passionate about my business as I was when I started. I'm not jaded. I still love it. And it, I'm still excited about it moving forward. Um, on the plus side, I had some clients that I, I wouldn't have had had it not been for doing it on Zoom. I've, I've got um, Netflix in California, Sephora on the West Coast as well. These clients that, I mean, maybe they'd have flown me out there to California to be at their party, but you know, the, there's still a place for, for the Zoom and yeah. comfortable with that now. Um, and just, uh, it really is amazing the, the since we opened up in uh, July, it's been a slow build, but it, it's building. Right. And every party or event that I go to, the, the feeling of the people, the appreciation, mm. that everyone's just so happy to be out. And then the balloons as well. It's just, it's so amazing for me. I can't tell you. It's just great. Well, you're giving an awful lot of pleasure. As you said in your quote, you're always amazed. But I, I absolutely get that, that you give so much pleasure and so much enjoyment to your, you know, all those people that come to watch you or see you or find you at an event or something. Um, yeah, your audience is just, yeah, I, I totally get that. I mean, you're doing an amazing job, Natalie, you really are. Thank you so much. No. I do a lot in hospitals, Tracy, and oh. uh, 
a story I'd like to tell you very quickly. So the charities put me in the hospitals to do a little party in the playroom. And then I go around the wards for the children that are, aren't well enough to come down or yeah. done or whatever. Um, even the children in isolation after transplants, I do it through the window of their door. Oh. I put down and bring the balloon to them. So the balloons are great for that. But I also volunteer at the hospitals. So the play specialists know if there's a kid that's stuck in hospital without uh, on their birthday, that I'll come down. Or if I'm not available, I'll make something and my husband will drop it off. So I was doing my ward rounds and the play specialist always introduces me and gives me a bit of a heads up. I said, this little girl's feeling really down because she just found out today that she's not going to be let out of hospital tomorrow as she thought she would. Yeah. So I just made a, you know, we had a nice time as usual. Then the play specialist rang and said, oh, it's got worse. She'll be in for her birthday. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm available. I went. She was in a private room and she invited the whole family. So it was uh, uncles and aunts and cousins all in her room. And we just had a little party in her room and I made everything and ended up making her a giant mermaid. And she was nine years old. When I gave it to her, she went, this is the best day of my life. Oh. So you can imagine how I felt. It went from being, she was so depressed because she'd be stuck yeah. in hospital. That the balloons made her so happy. And when I'm feeling down or fed up, about well, I've had a tough day or a tough customer. I just remember that and go, I've got the best job in the world. Oh, that is such a great story, Natalie. Honestly, that just that just reiterates what I've said. You're doing such a great job, and I'm just so delighted to have met you and for you to be a guest on with Tracy today. Honestly, it's, it's just been brilliant. Um, we are nearly there. I, I promise you. Um, I just like before um, I ask you just to share with everyone how they can find you. I just I always like to kind of finish with asking my guests if there's one piece of advice that they would give to anyone who might be thinking about stepping out and starting their own business or maybe even going into balloon creation or being balloon artistry. <laughs> My advice to anyone starting out is to get out there and network. Don't network in a shoving your business card out, blanket kind of way, but uh, go out there and find um, a, a network connection that really suits you and stick with it and build those connections because that will be invaluable to you and you'll learn so much. That's a fantastic piece of advice. Thank you very much. Natalie, would you like to just share with everyone, please, how they could contact you or find out a bit more about Miss Ballooniverse? Well, please do check out my website, missballooniverse.co.uk, and I'm all over social media. I'm on LinkedIn as Natalie Haverstock for my personal and Miss Ballooniverse, and Instagram at Miss Ballooniverse, of course. Brilliant. And I, I totally, please, I recommend everyone listening to do check out 
Natalie and Miss Balloonverse. And if you are listening, do check out the YouTube so you can see her wonderful hat and the backdrop and everything. I mean, it's been an absolute delight. I knew it would be, Natalie. You're a fantastic guest. And I just wanted to finish on a quote from Tatler. You are magnificent, Miss Balloonverse. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.